Breaking the cycle to step forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris Tuck and Beverly Ann. Hi everyone and welcome to Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward podcast with myself Chris Tuck and and I'm Beverly Ann. Nice to meet you all. I can't believe we're actually on episode seven. Yeah, it's just going so quick, isn't it now? It is. So, Chris, what are we going to talk about today? Um, we're talking about emotions, um, particularly following on from the last episode where we talked about therapy. And today we want to touch on emotions from the point of view, um, what may come up in therapy? If you don't have therapy, what are you living with? How does that sort of manifest itself? And then how do we manage that? So we're talking about all of that today, obviously from the lived experience and from the um, organisational experience that we have as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So should we just start with um, one of the thoughts that you had, one of the questions that came up earlier on? Yeah, so it was really... Um, what emotions will therapy bring up for people? And obviously it's going to be different, isn't it, for every single person? Mm -hmm. But I haven't heard one victim or survivor say that they don't have an, a range of emotions, which could be sadness maybe, um, right through to anger. So there will be a spectrum of emotion and there will be a depth of emotion, but often we will all go through all of the emotions over our lifetime of recovery. Absolutely. And that, that's a bit, when, when you think of, I very much liken it to bereavement because when we start recovery, and that sounds really, really you know, strange to some people, but when we start recovery, what we're looking to do is to release all those big stone stresses and put it down which is actually we make when we're making a change we're ending what we've been doing to make way for new things but as we're making way for new ways of living there is it can be very scary at times because we know how we've been responding or what's been happening even if we're not absolutely conscious of it but as we start to unrelease and unpick some of our feelings and emotions and what's going on, we then become aware of what we've not had. Okay, so bereavement. Again, everybody responds differently, don't they? Depending on what that person meant to them. So for different people, I'm going to feel different things. Absolutely. And for the same person, your family members may respond or react differently because they've had a different experience to you. So I wasn't going to speak about this, but I think we're, we're getting down to real conversation here. So I'm going to touch upon it. It's actually coming up to the anniversary of my mum's death at the beginning of June, um, but she's been gone now, 2017, five years. Yes. So obviously um, your mum should be loving, nurturing, caring, blah, de, blah, de, blah, everything that we've discussed in previous episodes. To me, 
she was an abuser, not to me personally, but she was an abuser to my siblings. I can accept that because I saw it and I witnessed it, but she was also loving towards me in, in her own way. Uh, she did some nice things for me that she didn't do for the others. Um, and because I was the eldest girl, she spoke to me on a level of more of a friend. Yes. And I sort of had a different relationship with her than the others did. So I do love my mum and my siblings don't get that. Um, but I do not condone 1% what she did to mm. them or how she made them feel. Do not condone it at all. So my siblings, most of them, do not understand how I could love someone that's done something to them. But I've just explained to them it's very, very complicated. And um, I'm still bereaving the mum that I should have had that I never had for myself. Um, and also um, the loss of a friend as well. I mean, she wasn't that friendly to me, but, you know, mums and daughters, my relationship with my daughter is friendly. It, it's nice. It, it's, it's established. It's loving. It's caring. I'm bereaving the loss of that because I never had it. Um, but I'm also, <laughs> uh, this is uh, mad. Sounds absolutely mad when I'm saying it. Um, I'm also not thankful. What's the word? Great. I'm not grateful. Oh, it's um, my mum was the only caregiver in my life that treated me with any kind of kindness compared yes. to everybody else. So, no, I'm not grateful and I'm not thankful, but that was the only bit that I had. So I don't know if I'm wrong for holding on to that or, or what, but. As I said, relationships are very complicated and what it means for you and that person and other people and that person is going to be entirely different. So Absolutely. I, I do feel a sense of loss when it, the anniversaries come round, but my siblings don't. And because they don't, I can't speak about any of my feelings with them because I one, I don't want to upset them. Two, I don't feel that I have the right to go to them to speak about it because they were abused by her. There was yes. no love and no, there was nothing nice. Yeah. You know, so it, it's very complicated. And so that brings a whole host of emotions, Beverly, like anger, like um, suppressed emotion that I can't just, even though me and my siblings have come a long way, we still can't discuss this. Yes. It's just not discussable. Yes. And this is where... Um, the, the best thing about therapy is it, it gives us a space to release all of that. And thank you so much for your honesty there, because we know there's lots of different dynamics when it comes to abuse, particularly with people in trust, caregivers, you know, mums and dads. So I absolutely understand you. So I grew up, you know, outwardly saying that I've I preferred my dad and I'd go and live with my dad but then there was this other side but that was my way of dealing with it and also there was different um, amounts of love that my dad would give us that our mum wouldn't give us and I remember being in therapy and feeling guilty for that and it was explained to me that all children 
you know, want to be nurtured, human beings, even as adults. Yeah. So we'll find it in the way that we need to, to survive. We're talking survival instincts. Yeah, yes, yeah. You know, our body is built to survive. It will fight to um, find things that make us feel good, that make us feel well. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's common. So we won't go through and unpick everything, but thank you for what you shared there. And I'm sure there's many people hearing, you know, going back to my mum, I hear you. My dad's dead, and um, I'm recently was asked about his details for a. Well, I'm getting married. It's from a marriage license. And when I said he's dead, and they said, "Oh, I'm really sorry," I was actually able to say, "Don't be sorry." And then <laughs> I was given a choice. Yeah, it's okay to laugh, but then I was given a choice. I take it from that remark. Yeah, you can have a choice. He doesn't have to be on the license. And it actually made me sort of took me by surprise. I had I actually had a choice because I've grown up. This is your dad. This is how you should respond. This is your mum. You must forgive them because you've only got one lot of parents. Yeah. And it really made me emotional. And even now, as far as I am in my recovery, And actually, it was really nice to have that choice. Same, and it got me thinking, what, how would I feel when my mum passes away, who I haven't seen for years and years and years? Well, the last time I had a proper conversation with her was over 30 years ago. And I'll be very honest, it doesn't matter where we are. It's how our body responds at the time. And this is where therapy, so I'd just like to give an analogy that I give to my clients when I'm working with them and anybody else that I'm I'm supporting. Think of um, an icebreaker. So when we see an iceberg, not an iceberg, not icebreaker, iceberg. <laughs> we, only, going with that. <laughs> we only see the top the part of it. Yeah. Between 10 and 20 percent. That is the same as our conscious thinking. These are our thoughts. The other 80 to 90% is what's below the water. And that's our subconscious. And that's where we hold lots of different emotions. And we often use our head, the conscious thinking, to keep going, to keep surviving. And we suppress a lot of that unconscious thinking. When we're in therapy, regardless of what type it is, and we feel, because let's be honest here, if we feel safe, we will go and explore some of that. Now, different therapies do it in different ways. And this is what we touched on last week. What's right for some isn't right for others. So for me, I remember going to traditional counselling years and years ago and being taken down the trauma tunnel all the time is how I explain it being taken back to the actual event and having to relive it and keep speaking about it and I didn't learn about how the body reacts and I didn't learn about self-care or how to rebalance myself with different tools in a wellness toolbox hence that's why now I'm so passionate about talking about self-care yeah because absolutely for me it's a continual learning 
We don't just yeah. learn it and think, oh, that's it. It's a continual learning. And for me, I think that's the biggest key for recovery so that we can acknowledge. So, yes, those emotions come up in different emotions. So there's elation, shame, yeah. guilt, anger. Yeah. You know, in that elation, there's also happiness. Yeah. You know, you're... Once you're able to find a way to find your voice, and as we've said before, it's not necessarily just speaking, it could be singing, writing, oh. drawing. Absolutely. Once we yeah. find a way to release our voice, we go through lots of different emotions. And it doesn't mean to say we'll all feel that emotion, then the next one, then the next one. We'll feel them at different times. And sometimes it's a delayed reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've known um, some victim survivors that obviously are in my group. Um, and one particular person turned around and said she was so numb that she didn't feel any emotion. She was so shut down. She didn't know what anger felt like. She didn't know what crying felt. It, it was just so shut down that she couldn't get in touch with her emotions. And when she did, was able to do that it was really quite explosive absolutely and I, and I can see that in a lot of young people like teenagers you know boys and girls but mainly boys and I'm talking about my brothers here used to always get into fights explosive mm. anger so if they can't express themselves in the family environment about what's going on for them you know because we talk about this all the time caring nurturing loving environment it, it's almost like you're teaching your children you're having debates with your children you're you're allowing them to to show their emotions and share their emotions and what's going on for them because it's all part of growth but in an abusive environment there is none of that um no. so so these young people that are come from abusive environments i'm not saying all of them but some they're either shut down emotionally and, and they literally go through life not being able to interact and not knowing themselves, or they are literally, you know, imploding um, or they're exploding. They're taking out on other people. And I, I, I get it. I really do Absolutely. get it. Absolutely. When you move into like over 18, you can't condone it because by then, you know, you're like, well, we should really be able to control of our emotions. But at the same time, no one's shown you or explained to you what is going on for you because of what you've gone through how are you meant to know absolutely how? absolutely and that's why we both of us are so passionate about having these conversations because I remember being in um the home environment when I wasn't in care and there was never any discussions. I know that if my mum or dad, one of them had a crossword, before I knew it, that crossword would result in a fight and yeah. no in between. And when I say fights, I can't say that my mother was beaten. They physically had fights. If one or the other didn't throw something, they would actually be punching each other. So yeah. I learned to suppress anger. Yeah. Now you know the lovely thing is is I'm able to verbalize anger but there are times you know and I'm sure people can can resonate with this you know when that that uh, expression I was so angry and you couldn't say anything and you didn't know to laugh or cry yeah yeah 
often when I get angry, I cry first. So if people, they, they see when I do cry, I, you know, not often, but when I, if I do, if I'm so angry and I cry, you shouldn't take that as a sign of a weakness. You should get the hell out of the room because <laughs> I'm about to explode. So my children would tell you the scariest I am. So when I'm my survival technique, and I've recognized this now, is when I'm exploding, that's actually not that bad. That means, oh, actually, she's just releasing, letting out. That's yeah, okay. Yeah. It's when I'm calm collected yeah. <laughs> speak slowly because you enter the spectrum there <laughs> yeah very yeah. but that's also how I I know now how my body reacts in any yeah. situation I my default you know if there's an accident or something that happens I will go extremely calm so my feelings emotions are shut off and I'm reactive but I'm also able to think okay what are our options yeah yeah yeah. So this is how I've survived all of the suppressed stuff like a volcano over the years. It's like layer, 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 press it down, press it down. Because if you showed any emotion, you got more abuse. So basically, yes. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to show my tears because it was a sign of weakness. And if they could see that you were crying, um, they would do more of it. So the, yeah. you, the more you... So that was my calm exterior, but it really wasn't. It was more of a... I'm not going to show any emotion here. And then all of a sudden, I, it, you, you know, you, when your stress bucket just becomes too full up and then just one person says that tiny thing or, or does something that is just, you know, I just go, right, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know, and it doesn't happen often, it really doesn't. But when, yeah. when that gets like that, the, the volcano is going to erupt. I have to take myself out and off to calm down, scream my head off, do whatever I need to do. And I did that several times throughout the um, criminal process that we've just been through, where I just had to literally, I was so angry. I didn't know how to verbalise it, didn't know how yeah. to show it. I literally just went out into the garden and just screamed my head off. And that just released everything. God knows what the neighbours thought, but... <laughs> but that is one of those, you know, one of the tools we're talking about, self-care. You know, yeah. I've done that before. You know, when there's things going on, there's an anger building up, and I've not actually realised it's anger, but I've yeah. just, I don't know where to turn. And yeah. I've actually been out for a walk and been in the middle of the woods and screamed and yeah. released it. Yeah. And once I've done that, then thought, oh, okay, let's check in for a minute. Now let's yeah. check in. What is it? that you're actually feeling yeah what do you need and sometimes at that time you don't know what you need I feel my teenage self come up well what do you mean what do I need <laughs> <laughs> often that's now where I'm able to say oh is it that I feel that I'm not being heard is it that it's all overwhelming have I got too tired yeah. does it mean if it's overwhelming why don't you write something down is it that I'm not being heard and when that is, I think I'm not being heard by someone else. I actually now reflect it back. What am I not hearing about for myself? Yeah. Or what are you not being able to express quite clearly and concisely? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I think I'm expressing it. But am I listening to the other person to understand their language as well? Or is yeah. am I? And don't get me wrong. When I 
very first heard that expression, I was like, of course I'm talking, of course I'm explaining it. <laughs> but actually, slow down, listen to their language. Oh, now I get it. So if I say it this way, then maybe they'll we'll find an, a, an, a mutual path for understanding. Yeah. So what I also wanted is to sort of like express to people, because some people still feel, think, not feel, think that the mind and body are two separate things. We know that they're not. <laughs> and we also know that um, when we're in uh, times of stress and overwhelm, that it can manifest in physical symptoms. And I'm just going to explain quickly at the moment what I feel in my own body. Um, and then you, you can share your wisdom and your expertise in this area as well. So obviously I'm going through EMDR at the moment and I've only managed out of 12 sessions, two part sessions where I've actually done any EMDR because it's been so, the trauma has been so deep that when it's come up, it's had such a massive response in me physically that I've needed all of that extra time to process what's what has been brought up um for my brain to refile the memories and for my body to deal with all of the um the pain the, the actual pain that mm. I couldn't express back when I was a child or a teenager but it's coming out now but that has literally come out in shoulder pain neck pain jaw pain I even, you know, I'm going to the physio at the moment, Beverly, you wouldn't believe this. Some people are really switched on in other professions, yeah? Um, so I've got all of this shoulder pain going on, but a lot of it's to do with the trauma. And I know you wouldn't like this, but my physio last week, she actually put on a glove and she put her finger in my mouth and she released all of this tension around my, mo my, um, my back teeth, my molars, my wisdom teeth, where they've been taken out. Yeah. And it was so painful yeah. but after she released some of that. And then I've been doing some work here underneath my, um, my, uh, my mouth, my jaw yeah. here to release it because I've been holding on to tension um, that then releases the neck, releases the shoulder. So even though I've got a bit of injury going on, that's causing it going upwards. All of this mental distress is making it all go downwards. Absolutely. And so it's going to take time. Absolutely. So when I say mental, I always follow up neurological. Because when we talk about mental, I, and I say I because, you know, I hear and I believe that people are saying it's just all in our head. Yeah. And actually it's not. No. Because what ha actually happens is neurologically our amygdala is releasing the adrenaline. OK, so when you're going to the EMDR, well done, first of all, for having the courage to go and look further into recovery. OK, and turn up because that is huge in itself. Some weeks well, I don't want to go. Absolutely. But you do go and yeah. you and and the fact that you're able to go there is you're starting to reassure your body that's yeah. trying to keep you safe. This yeah. is a safe, a safe place. And you are actually listening to your body. Now, what happens? So the amygdala is thinking, oh, hold on. I'm, I'm going to areas or neurologically, I'm going to areas that I've shut off for a long, long time. Mm. OK, so what it's doing is 
it is then releasing the adrenaline and it's trying to keep you safe, to take you to that either fight, run, yeah, flop, flight. Yeah, freeze, freeze friends. or yeah. friend. Yeah. Okay. So what I would say, and this sounds really, um, this is getting practice in, what I always get people to do, and it's something that I did, is actually say, thank you, body. I appreciate yeah. what you're trying to do. And the reason why you're so tense is because it's getting ready to fight. So imagine yeah. you're getting ready to fight someone, what you do. So it tenses straight from your neck, okay? Yeah. Um, your shoulders, your shoulders are up yeah. ready. Um, another great place, and I say great place, people must listen sometimes and think, what does she mean by that? Yeah. It's the tops of our legs. It can be really tight in our calves. It's because yeah. we're getting ready to fight or run. Now, when we are aware of this, this is when we use our self-care tools. So yeah. the breathing slowly, wearing my shoulders. I mean, I remember my shoulders being up here years and years ago, whereas now they're down. But I still check in, wearing yeah. my shoulders. I'm not surprised that your physio has had to put her finger in and do that. I mean, yeah. I... I, would I know you myself. wouldn't be able to, yeah. <laughs> but, I was a bit, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> but again, I, you know, I've had problems with clenching my teeth. Yeah. You know, that's how you survive. Whereas now, for me, I know when I go to yoga, when I haven't been. So I went to a yoga class this week and it was really, really simple. And it was outside and I wanted that. And I could feel how tense my body was and I wasn't trying to do a lot. But by being able to breathe and just relax my body, I say just, it wasn't just, I knew yeah. I needed to do that. But that's taken a long time to be able to do that. People say, oh, go to yoga or go to Pilates, that will fix it. No, it it's, it's sending the messages. Absolutely, it's sending the messages neurologically, I'm safe. Yeah and allowing bit by bit but I would say thank you to your body that would be the mantra that I would encourage you to think about so that when you feel you're tense you know you can physically let go and we see this in the body in so many different ways you know arthritis we see it in back pain like you you've already described um, shoulders neck all of this is and it's psychophysical yeah so it's not uh, so some people think oh you're saying it's all in my head no not no, at all not. that is the connection that is where your body's working neurologically to keep you safe and when it's doing that it shuts off the emotions and it's yeah. only when you feel safe and you're able to relax into your body the third step is naturally then your emotions come out yeah. So learning when those tears come, that's not actually weakness. That is, thank you, body. Yeah. I've, I've got some emotions there that want to come out. And I bless those tears now. Whereas at one time I was proud that I didn't have tears. Yeah. I was just, you know, when we was having our pre-show pre discussion, we were talking about um, anger and suppressed anger, outbursts, rage. And I was, and I know you're going to talk a bit more about those in a moment, but I was sort of like, I know that I'm angry and my body is showing anger, even though professionally I will never show the anger. 
Um, but personally, I feel it in my body and it comes out in um, a low tolerance of people and some of the things that they may say or how they're acting. So if someone is in my mind saying something flippant or stupid, it might not be stupid or flippant, mm. but in my mind it's flippant and it's stupid, you know, because I'm doing something serious here. Like I'm working around child sexual abuse and then someone comes along and says something mm. that I deem and my anger doesn't come out as, but it will come off, oh, God's sake, really? Ugh. You know, and that is really low level anger. And it can come across to other people as passive aggressive. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have a responsibility to deal with that yeah. because it can come across as abusive in inverted commas to somebody else that's not used to dealing with someone like me that's going through all of this stuff at the moment see this is always and I, we always come back to balance this is so we when we suppress anger and we don't show it it comes out in different ways so yeah. you know one thing road rage yeah you know <laughs> on a good day someone pulls out and you think oh they didn't mean to Never do mind. that yeah yeah okay yeah and they say sorry yeah okay I've been there another time someone does that same thing and the expletives are coming absolutely yeah. so it's finding that balance because yes we do need to be able to verbalize and release anger it's passion so anger is passion it's what we need sometimes to push us it's our drive it's yeah. when it becomes the other way and we're, we're over suppressing it or we are over expressing that we have to also think of how it's being received. Exactly. Because if we don't miss it, if, you know, we've all been there with our children, partners or different people. If we don't express something clearly and we hold on to that anger, it yeah. comes out in a negative way anyway. Yeah. But it affects us all the more and it becomes bitterness. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this comes, this is, um, and I'm not going to go into it today, but I remember when I was working through forgiveness, and we're not going to go further, but the anger that came up, and then I was able to recognise, okay, I didn't realise I was holding on to this anger, and actually how it was turning inward and becoming bitter and affecting me physically. And that's what a lot of therapists say, don't they? That holding on to anger, it doesn't hurt the person you're angry at. It hurts you. Um, but it's only by going through this therapy that I've actually started to express what had gone on. And now the anger is rising up. And my therapist said, but you can't contain that anger. You've got to let it out. So she's even recommended that I go and do something... Um, like axe throwing that is a thing apparently you can go to a safe space and throw an axe at something yeah. to get some of that out or literally Boxing. go and find some yeah not with my bad shoulder oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but um also to go and do that screaming because mm. if you can't cry scream yeah or being in water is really good because you know you can release some of that extra energy that is there yeah release that anger but you're doing it in a gentle way for your body so you know imagine yeah. trying to punch through water you can't actually punch but that's where 
you know, swimming is actually quite beneficial there. I'm not saying I'm a natural swimmer. I'm not. But I know that that's where I've been able to release some of that anger, that adrenaline. It's a safe space. And once you do, do that, then it's like, OK, this is where I yeah. am. But that's one of the reasons why I've done fitness all my life, because that's where I channeled my anger. I, yeah. I, I, I got rid of my anger and excess energy through fitness. Yes. Obviously, that's not serving me anymore. So I'm still doing it and I do lots of it, but it's still not containing how I'm feeling. But she also said to me that do not contain it. Don't explode at anybody or anybody else, but um, but don't contain it because you've got a right to feel angry and everybody's got a right to show anger but not to hurt anybody else absolutely yeah? and, and that's the difference and that is why therapy is important for many of us because it is that safe space where we can actually express what it is and yes. how we need to express it yes and another great way of doing it and it takes different forms is writing it down so this is something, it's okay to love somebody and be angry. Yeah. But going right back to the beginning, because we have run over on this one, but I think it oh. needed to be said. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's a dilemma that often people have a challenge with, you know, but I love, you know, my mum, my dad, my children. That's okay. But it's okay to be angry as well, as long as it's all in balance. Yeah. You know, yeah. So and it, that's what it comes back to, that word balance. So we're not suppressing it, but then we're not doing outbursts that hurt other people, you know, and ourselves more importantly, it's finding ways to allow our body to release it. And I also think I know we've run over, but I also think that that's maybe how domestic violence relationships happen. Um, and child abuse happens because an individual has not been able to express what's going on for them in a way that is not damaging to another person. Absolutely. And, and let's be honest, if we've got two people that are not healed, um, we can trigger each other without realising. You know, you said about um, some of the somebody may, may come across as being passe or blasé about passive something aggressive. passive aggressive that's really yeah. important to you but to them it's not so they're saying something but then it's triggering you and then mm. if you're releasing something back you could be triggering them back and that's how you get domestic violence because it's so somebody's not doing anything wrong and this is the bit and I'm going to say it but I know it's controversial. The person who is being aggressive and abusive in a relationship like that often is very scared themselves and they are reacting. It's not right. And I'm not in any way saying it's right. Yeah. But it's worth, you know, unless that person is prepared to look at themselves, you're not going to change them. No. And that's when you have your choices and decisions to make. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I just think, you know, uh, um, as adults, if we get this bit of knowledge, if we get this bit of education, that is where we have the responsibility, the ability to respond, to change ourselves. And we need to take that step so that we are the best versions of ourselves, but also we can then 
have these healthier relationships with ourselves and other people. Yeah. So it is our responsibility to do the work. So when I hear about domestic violence and about, you know, um, someone actually taking all of the courses and doing therapy to change, I do believe that a person who does that work can change and go on to have a different kind of relationship. But I also agree with you that if people don't recognize that in themselves or can't be bothered or won't change, they won't ever change. No. Having, say if I was in a relationship like that, me expecting that person to change if they're not gonna do on any work on themselves, um, it's, it's not gonna change, nothing's and gonna it, change. And it's hard, you know, I've been there. Yeah. absolutely you can love someone but if they're not going to change and and it doesn't you know if it goes against your own values and your own well-being then you have some really challenging questions to ask yeah you know and what's right what, for you and hearing what you've just said there an individual that doesn't even know what it is they want because they've never had that that's when obviously you can get the real damage happening because they don't even know they've got choice absolutely that they can leave and they're so scared of leaving yeah so god very complicated absolutely absolutely but i think it's good that we've spoken about anger because yeah. it is important and it's amazing how much anger we all hold on yeah. to at times yeah. you know um and expectations of ourselves and others yeah yeah so everyone, this podcast is all about how is your anger hindering you and your relationships? And what is it you need to look at, reflect upon? And what is it you need to change? Because it, the body keeps the score, Pete. <laughs> all the time, all the time. And if anybody wants to know more about that, they can look at Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. Yes. He's got a great video that talks about it in a way. Um, and as always, they can get in contact with us as well. Um, there's some comments below. So please contact, contact us as well. You can email us and we would love to hear your thoughts on this podcast and the others, because this is about opening the conversation. Yeah. And hopefully we've done that. Yes. And Chris, what I'd like to say to you is thank you for sharing that. And what one way are you thinking of releasing any anger that you have in you today uh sleep um physio and two classes i'm teaching tonight so there you go i'm going to be knackered by the end of the day <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself um i'm going to go for a lovely walk and um i i've been at the computer most of the today so i'm going to go for a lovely walk and get some lovely fresh air good lovely all right thank you very much beverly as always and, and you chris <laughs> and we will see you all again in the next podcast thank you thank you bye bye